This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, April 26th. Today's weather forecast looks like we're going to have a mixture of sun and cloud. There is, though, a slight chance of a shower this afternoon, a high of 11 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, an explosion in Scarborough has hit an industrial complex. Number two, the City of Toronto, a committee. Number two, a City of Toronto committee wants to declare homelessness a crisis. Number three, there will be no extension to your tax deadline. Number four, critics objecting to lower standards for new police officers. Number five, a new Barbie is introduced to represent kids with Down syndrome. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.07 on a Wednesday morning. That's a certain degree. I always say on our show, when the wheels have come off, tell everybody about it rather than trying to tread water and pretend that they haven't. And all I can say is there's a degree of chaos reigning at the moment just because there are so many stories that are coming our way in the last minutes just before we go on the air. As Ashley was reporting, we have an explosion in a commercial building uh, in Scarborough. I'm sure we're going to learn more about that story as the show continues, and in particular because probably our friends at CP24 will dispatch their morning reporter to the scene. But at the very least, it doesn't seem there has been any danger to people, but it does seem that there has been a fairly dramatic event occurring in Scarborough, not far from Nielsen and Finch. And certainly an awful lot of people may have sat bolt upright in bed in the midnight hour when there was some form of an explosion. And then you may have ended up smelling considerable amounts of uh, smoke as well. So as mentioned, we'll continue to follow that story through our morning show. Now, it's all over, but I know that tens of thousands of people were beyond inconvenienced yesterday by a fire in the Bloor-Young station. It was just south of Bloor-Young, if I'm not mistaken, on the Bloor li- on the Young line. And I was affected by this, as a matter of fact, because I had to go to Service Ontario at the Canadian Tire Outlet, just north of Bloor. And when I finally resolved all of that, and frankly, it was a fairly um, convivial affair, I would say that uh, for the most part, I I looked behind me and the lineup seemed a little long. But in terms of what I had to do, which was go and get new license plates, I probably waited 15 minutes and the person who helped me was very helpful. So it was uh, not a bad experience. But then I stepped out and I started, you know, I can if I want to walk to my home because I'm at St. Clair and so Bloor to St. Clair, not that far. But I also thought, yeah, I could also hop on the subway and make this an easier thing. And then it was just this endless line of people coming toward me. And I thought, okay, I bet the subway's out of service. And then I noticed, you know, at every bus stop, there were all kinds of people waiting. And as it turns out, there was a fire and we still don't know the cause of it, but it was more than a you know, piece of newspaper blowing around and hitting the track and catching fire. Uh, There was a fire that started shortly after 10 a.m. yesterday 
on the Young University line, and they had to shut everything down. And it was down for a good long time. I mean, this happened at 10. I was probably trying to get on at about 10.30. There were still people lined up for buses when I went out for lunch at noon. So uh, it was one of those days where, you know, all of a sudden, everything that is supposed to be completely ordinary for you, you know, you can probably do it in your sleep. And you get on the subway and you go to where you're going and you get off and, eh, oh, great. Now I got to walk. I got to wait for a shuttle bus that isn't coming. Uh, there was one woman hitchhiking. And unfortunately, it didn't seem, uh, as I walked past her, that that was going particularly well. It uh, didn't seem like anybody was picking her up. But it was a fairly chaotic day for subway users. Okay. Um, it's one of those days where there's a bunch of stories we can talk about, and I could probably do it in any order. Because a lot of these are certainly debatables. A lot of them are things that actually, you know, like the talking about the subway service interruption, that is sort of almost nostalgia news. I mean, that happened yesterday. It's all over. Everybody's getting up today and hoping we don't have another fire on the subway line and people keep moving. How about this, though? I think this is an eminent debatable. And actually, I'd be very curious. I know that owing to the fact that, you know, they're shift workers, that a lot of police officers listen to our show. So I'd be very curious to hear from people who are already police officers how you feel about the province lowering the bar for qualifying as a police officer. And effectively, it used to be apparently you had to have a, a university degree. And now they've decided just on, you know, coming out of high school, you could apply and you could become a police officer. And I'm sort of split on this because I actually believe that having a um, police force that it consists of people with a higher education is helpful. And as a matter of fact, there are probably people with some very diverse degrees. You know, you could have a degree in art history and become a police officer, but I still think it is helpful to have had that discipline to have been uh, studying something intensely for two or three years. Uh, at the same time, though, apparently these jobs are going begging and we just need people to be police officers. And here would be my somewhat possibly controversial observation on all of this, that we would end up with sort of a two-tiered police service, that there would be people who would become police officers who do not have the university degree, and maybe they remain a constable for their entire career. Who knows? Maybe they're the smartest person in the room and they graduate through the service. But, uh, you know, if, if we can fill the ranks and there are people with different levels of education, then, you know, maybe it all settles out. But still, um, interesting to see this idea that we're going to lower the bar. And you know what? For me, this kind of... It reminds me of something that happened when I was um, still in high school and then I was in Sejep and I wanted to be a lawyer. And I had fulfilled all the requirements to be admitted to the law school at McGill University. And I went in for an interview and they said, we've decided that what we want moving forward is that everybody who goes to law school has to have a bachelor's degree in something else. 
And I said, oh, okay, well, okay, I'll go get a bachelor's degree. And I did. And I got a degree in communications and then I got a job in radio. And here we are today, 35 years later. And as you know, perhaps I kind of settled my grudge match and never went to law school. Um, so, you know, standards change. Time to say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy Wednesday. We've made it to the middle of the week. Uh, let's get into it. Luckily, no explosions after, uh, not no explosions, no injuries, I should say, after an explosion in Scarborough. Uh, it was near a commercial property. Yeah, and I'm sure you guys and we are also going to try to advance this story today to figure out what happened and what's been damaged. But we do have an explosion in Scarborough that woke an awful lot of people up. But you're absolutely right. doesn't appear that there is any uh, injury or any fatalities involved. Uh, when firefighters got there following the explosion, they found a small fire, but multiple units had mm. been blown out by the blast. This is an industrial complex. Mm. Okay, and this wasn't the only blast that happened yesterday. Uh, downtown, meantime, subway service snarled for hours, leaving people late for work and stranded after a f what looked like a fireball turned out to be an electrical fire on the tracks at Bloor Young subway station. Yeah, and some pretty dramatic video, as a matter of fact, of this explosion. It was more than when, you know, a stray piece of paper ends up landing on an electrical unit and something catches fire and we delay service. Uh, service was out for several hours. I was affected by this, ended up mm. walking from Bloor to St. Clair and, you know, joined the grand parade <laughs> of people going north and south. But it was one of those major interruptions where all of a sudden you've got an Uber surge and everybody needs a taxi or everybody's just got to hoof it. Yeah, a public transit bottleneck indeed. Uh, and turning to this, John, we are now into day eight of the PSAC strike, and the CRA says that they won't be extending that tax deadline as uh, the strike hits call centers now. There is a petition launched by an accountant in Ottawa. We spoke with him on the show yesterday. His name is Eric Samour. And what he wanted was for Revenue Canada to delay our tax filing day, which is supposed to be technically the 30th of April, but that's a Sunday, so it'll be the 1st of May. However, the CRA has said they will not delay tax filing day. I do think that the accountant had an interesting case because he said, Hmm. Maybe you're handling your own taxes and you've got a question and you get on the phone line and there's nobody there hmm. because they're busy manning the picket lines. Yeah, and this is really going to affect people, you know, without accountants who need that help <laughs> and guidance. Uh, I'm one of them. All right. And turning to this now, a Toronto committee has voted to declare homelessness uh, in emergency. I'm not sure where this is necessarily going to go, but you're absolutely right. A Toronto committee recommending city council declare homelessness an emergency and prioritize 24-hour respite sites. What I can say, and I did a deep dive on homelessness, including walking the streets with mm. homeless outreach workers in the month of September, and we have gone from about 7,500 people a night who require shelter to just over 10,000. There's something wow. going on out there, uh, and it could have a lot to do with the fact that, and this is a very unpopular thing to mm -hmm. voice, but there are some municipalities outside of Toronto who will simply put people on a bus and send them to Toronto and dump them into the Toronto homeless system. And of course, they don't have the money to go back to the place where they were previously homeless. So we end up having to shoulder that, uh, that duty. 
Oh, wow, that sounds disturbing. And I just want to mention that uh, later in the show, we will be speaking to the filmmaker and the subject of, of uh, someone lives here, uh, Khalil Sievright, who built many of those tiny shelters across the city during the pandemic and eventually had to stop. So that should be an interesting uh, conversation related to this issue. Uh, let's finish with this, John. Mattel, I saw this yesterday on Twitter. They've unveiled a new Barbie with Down syndrome. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know how much more is to be said about this aside from the fact that I was watching some video of a girl who was about eight years old and has Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and the smile on her face as she looked into the eyes of this Barbie doll that represents and kind of, you know, gives purpose to her uh, was absolutely astounding. So yes, it's crass marketing. At the same time, I think it's a fantastic initiative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I do advise you to not really go down the rabbit hole of reading the comment section uh, on the CNN Twitter oh. post of this because I'm sure, as always, everyone has an opinion and they're not always uh, the nicest. Okay, News Talk 1010's John Moore. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Have a great show. We'll see you tomorrow. You too. Take care. That's Jennifer Sheng, our friend over at CP24. And I hadn't considered that people could actually be hostile or toxic about a new Barbie doll, but I guess that's always going to be possible. Jennifer mentioning that if you go into the comment section and reply, replies on Twitter um, about this new Barbie doll, that you get into some pretty awful stuff. And I guess maybe that's not that much of a surprise because I've, I've always said, you know, you could post a picture of a girl at her first communion, you know, an eight-year-old girl in a white gown on her way to her first communion. And about eight comments in, somebody would say something incredibly awful. Although Joe Cristiano yesterday captured a text that came into the station. And I, I mean, I can't even quote it. He had to censor it. But it was just like, how do you, it was 6.15 in the morning. How are you that angry at that hour? You know, you shouldn't be angry at any time of the day. I mean, unless something genuinely provocative and awful has happened. Um, but if you wake up and you turn on the radio and your first instinct is to call me a French Canadian shower, then I really have to wonder what, what is wrong with your life? And not only that, but what cracks me up is the same person sent the same tweet once an hour for three hours. So thanks for listening. Um, but you know what? This is a quick opportunity to tell you a quick story about somebody who at one point sent me an incredibly hostile text. And it was only because I had heard a song on an album somewhere, whatever, and I thought, that's really cool. And this is years ago. And so I asked back then, Robert Turner was running the uh, board, and I said, uh, play a little bit of that song. And we were like two seconds into the song, and this guy writes in and says, this is the worst song I've ever heard. You're an Alice. And I... You know, I just, I wrote back and I said, why are you so angry? And about a year later, I heard back from this guy and he said, you know what? You were right. I suddenly realized I was angry for no reason. And I started to explore why. And then the guy ended up going to an ashram. And now I hear from him and he's like endlessly volunteering at soup kitchens. And he is the most relentlessly positive person in the world. So if we can do that for the guy who called me a French Canadian shower, then I will be very, very happy. Maybe he needs or she needs a French Canadian shower. 
Yes, perhaps. Getting a lot of texts from people saying, I don't understand what's a French Canadian shower. Okay, if you have access to Google, just Google shower in French. And then you'll probably laugh out loud. But I'm in enough trouble for having said one thing on the air already. So I'm not going to say the word to which I'm referring, which is funny because I was going back and forth yesterday on text with James Laidlaw, who was our People's Voice Award winner and probably a pundit with us for five years until his business became such a runaway success that he said, listen, I just don't have the time. And he has an expression that we were talking about yesterday where he said it many times on the air, don't be a D. And I, I was telling him, you know what, I'm, I'm too shy to say it on the air now because people are offended by everything. I mean, honestly, you get a complaint. I, I mean, I get complaints because when it's one degree, I say plus one degree. Oh, how dare you? Uh, I had a woman write me, although she was very funny, but I had a woman write me quite recently where she said, why do you say off of? I took, this sh took a book off of the shelf. You took it off the shelf. Um, so people complain about absolutely everything. So I'm not going to say the D word. I'm not going to say the French Canadian shower word. But yes, Google shower in French. You'll get it. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 is the time. So as I think most people know, I had my license plates stolen. I'm going to go and talk to the management at the garage where it happened today, but I know they don't care because they don't care about anything. Um, the, the one thing I keep wondering is, I have to imagine that the people who stole my plates probably came in with a battery-powered uh, screwdriver, and I'm sure they just dropped the screws on the pavement and then just walked away. So there would have been eight sharp objects sitting there in one parking space. So I have to wonder if anybody pulled into that space after I left that day and ended up puncturing their tires. But quick story here, because there is, I, ha I had somebody say, oh, you must feel so violated. And no, I mean, my license plates got stolen. Somebody didn't break into my house and touch me. So I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. But it's just the nuisance of it all. And the worst aspect was that I spent two days where I couldn't put my car on the road because I didn't have license plates and I knew I would probably be pulled over in a minute if I hit the street. So, you know, I had to get to the office in the morning without using my car, so I Ubered. It's, it wasn't that big a deal. But yesterday I went to the Canadian Tire at Young and Davenport and they have a Service Ontario outlet there. And of course, when you go to Service Ontario, it's driver's licenses, car licenses, health cards. There's all kinds of stuff that they're dealing with. So I got in line and waited and waited and waited. And then I got to the person who was there to help me and I handed over my car registration. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if you lease a car, then the car registration is actually a big page with two different copies of the same thing. But one of them says the person who leased you the car, and one of them says your name. And I had never noticed that. So the one thing that I had in my car was the part that said my name. So I hand that over and she says, well, this is only one half of the document. Said, really? And uh, she said, well, there, there's another half that you need. And so then she said, why don't you just go to your car and get the other half, which is probably in your car? And I said, well, my car isn't here because I can't drive my car because it has a license. It doesn't have a license plate. 
And then she said, I could print you a new version of this. It'll cost you $32. And I thought, oh, what? just do it. You know, I mean, this is, I am not going to go back to my house and find the other half of this document and bring it back and get in line and, and just print it. But then I go upstairs to Canadian Tire and I'm looking for the screws to put the license plate in because, of course, it's not like, you know, the very attentive thieves put the screws back in on the car. And the guy says, I'm not sure which screw it is. Um, do you want to go out to your car in the parking lot and try this screw? Said, no, my car isn't here because I can't drive my car because somebody stole my license plate. <laughs> it was just, what a pain in the butt. Anyway, so uh, there we are. I've got new license plates. And can I say, I have often complimented the whoever's responsible at Green P on the efficacy of their app because I find it to be one of the most intuitive, easy-to-use apps that there is. And yesterday, I finally, after putting the new plates on, I went out somewhere and I had to park, so I bring up the Green P app, and it says, what is your new license plate number? And I thought, okay, well done. And at first, I thought, you know too much about me. But then I remembered that one of the first calls I made was to Green P to tell them that nobody's going to park with my new, <laughs> my stolen plates. Nobody's going to charge me two bucks and 50 cents for parking. Uh, so I had canceled my account at the Green P. And so they knew that my license had been stolen and so that I had a new license. I'll never quite understand how we got to this juncture where in the States and in Canada, but more so in the States, but still, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, everything in, in the States is 10 times what it is in Canada owing to population. Why people are so upset about drag queens, gays, transgenders, but they are. And I guess it's because I was listening to a really interesting conversation yesterday um, on the radio where they were talking about how, why Fox News got to where Fox News is. And the whole idea is that if you raise somebody's emotional engagement, as opposed to just providing them with the information they need, then they're going to be that much more committed to you. So Fox News and other outlets realized that a while ago. And so instead of just, you know, reporting the news, they are all about how you know, liberals are going to make you eat crickets and gay people are trying to make your children gay and uh, Ukraine is full of Nazis. You just, you know, if you amp it up and you make people angry, then they're going to be that much more committed to your commercial product. So I guess that's one of the reasons why drag queens who have been around, I mean, Shakespeare had men playing women dressed as women. Um, Milton Berle was wearing dresses in the 1950s on television. There is nothing new in all of this, but in the last couple of years, all of a sudden, this has become an existential crisis. And all this brings me to a meeting that happened last night, a Catholic school board meeting in Aurora and it was all about whether or not they would raise the pride flag in the month of June over York Catholic District School Board schools. And it got so unruly 
that they had to ask security guards to remove some parents from the room. And I know I, I, I'm anticipating the uh, text that I will eventually get that Joe will read and he'll decide whether or not I need to see them. Um, but people will say, why do gay people have to, you know, be litmus testing us all the time? Okay, it's not a litmus test. If in the office place or any other place, you are talking to a man who says, my partner, and you say, and what does your wife do? And they say, well, it's not a wife, it's a husband. You know, it's, it's just, that is not some sort of a test. That is just the way things are. So the idea of raising a pride flag, which may bring a considerable amount of comfort to whatever gender questioning or queer or gay kids happen to be going to that school, it's not that big a deal, you know? And frankly, if you think that, you know, homosexuality is a sin, you can continue to think that. It doesn't really fly up your nose, does it? that they decide to raise the flag, you know, in the month of June. Brian Lilly has an interesting column today about the boss at Metrolinx. And apparently somebody has submitted, it seems to be the board of directors, to the government of Ontario that the president or CEO of Metrolinx deserves to earn a million dollars a year. Uh, the CEO is Phil Verster. And uh, Phil Verster was first hired, if I'm looking at Brian's stats here, for under $500,000 a year, plus perks and bonuses, which I guess includes a Presto card. Um, but then over the years, the base salary has increased again and again and again. And it reached uh, $856,000 in 2022, according to the Sunshine List. But now the board of directors, as board of directors do, has decided that he deserves to make a million dollars a year. And you know what? I don't know if the responsibilities of heading up Metrolinx merit a salary of a million dollars a year. But I think we can also admit, and I'll get into an interesting story in just a moment about things coming undone for the... Um, Eglinton Crosstown, I would say, if you are not getting your job done, you do not deserve a raise. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. I was mentioning the Eglinton Crosstown, and there was a really interesting feature on the weekend in the Toronto Star where what they were decrying was the fact that it is way behind schedule. It is way over budget. And when the star made inquiries, they got nothing. Like it wasn't even, okay, you know, some person who represents Metrolinx is going to sit and talk with you and try to pacify you and explain that this was more complicated than we thought and we've had some run-ins with things. And so, you know, no, nothing. And the suspicion is, and I only have this on rumor right now, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. But this is something we're investigating, and I'm told other journalists in town are investigating. Somebody may have made a design error. And so they have rut up against a, what is, you know, in, in, if you're executing some sort of a massive infrastructure project and somebody made a measuring error or somebody drew the blueprints wrong, um, that is a, a major crisis. But we do know, for example, 
And uh, this appears in the Star today. Construction crews are back at Sloan Stop, one that sits on the much-awaited Eglinton Crosstown LRT line, digging up the new platform for repairs even before it has ever hosted transit riders. So this kind of reminds me of something that happened on the St. Clair dedicated right-of-way, where they built it, and then once the... Um, rail cars came in, they realized that the way it had been built didn't accommodate the rail cars. Now, they argued, and, you know, engineers can do this. They've got rings in their pinkies. Um, They argued at the time that nobody could have anticipated exactly what the rail cars were going to be like, so they just, they had to build it. And when the rail cars came in and they realized it didn't work, they had to tear it out and start over again. Um, but that really, you know, I'm Jerry Agar is probably listening right now. And I remember hours of the Jerry Agar show were dedicated to that screw up on the St. Clair right away. In this case, it appears that there is something wrong with the Sloan stop. And you have to wonder, is it going to be only the Sloan stop or is it going to be others? Uh, the fix requires we are told, placement of new concrete after the old platform is ripped out using an excavator and a jackhammer. It'll take about a month without changes to the current traffic or pedestrian routes. Okay, that's on the website at uh, Metrolink. So at the very least, it won't interfere with existing traffic. Now, I have a pretty high tolerance for major infrastructure projects and the understanding that they're probably going to be behind schedule and sometimes over budget. But then you get into people making mistakes that end up costing us time and money. And you think, okay, did we hire the right people? Um, So I I suspect this is a much more profound story and that we're probably going to learn some things about the Eglinton Crosstown before it comes online that we're going to find highly objectionable. And I don't want to read anything into it. You know, I've, I've yet to ask Amory Akins, who was a spokesperson for Metrolinx. She was the PR representative for Metrolinx. And I have said on the air many times that I think she's one of the, you know, over 35 years in this business. I've talked to a lot of people who represent corporations and entities and politicians. And I thought she was one of the most effective communicators I ever came across. And she left Metrolinx a few months ago. She's now with us as a pundit on News Talk 1010. But I sometimes wonder, and like I said, you know, maybe I'll, she's probably listening right now, but I'll, you know, drop her an email today. I sometimes wonder if the reason for that was because it had become untenable to represent an organization that doesn't really want to communicate with the public and probably has some things that it would prefer not be communicated at all. So Doug Ford announced that they want to increase the ranks of police forces and they're having a problem uh, recruiting people, which for me is kind of astonishing because I think it's a good job. It pays well. It's kind of an exciting profession that comes with a badge, a gun and a uniform. I'm, I'm surprised that they're having a hard time recruiting people. But Doug Ford announced yesterday they're lowering the bar effectively for becoming a cop. You will not have to have a degree beyond high school. 
and at a time when police forces are telling us recruitment can be challenging. We'll also be introducing legislation that, if passed, will eliminate the post-secondary education requirement to become a police officer. Okay. So I was asking earlier in the show, assuming that there were men and women in uniform listening, you know, how do you feel about this? Because you're always, if they change the barriers to entry for a profession that you're already in, I have to think sometimes you're going to think, well, screw that. Um, one person did text in and say, good morning, John. I am a fellow Frenchman, Cégepien. And he's this person. I was saying he, I don't know if it's uh, he. Uh, this individual um, referencing some of my past, although I'm not a Frenchman, but I'm a Cégepien. Uh, I'm a police constable with Toronto Police Service. I happen to have a university degree, and I agree with you. The education has been helpful in shaping how I think and acquire Acquiring the discipline to think through situations, I believe the educational experience I've been through has been valuable in so many ways and has benefited my career and my policing. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I won't say I'm agnostic on this issue. Um, I would just say that, you know, I think it is helpful to a person who serves as a police officer to have an advanced education. Um, somebody's actually on the line. Uh, Jeff's calling from Barrie on this very issue. Hey, Jeff. Good morning, John. You so, know, when you elect a premier who doesn't have a university degree, he doesn't see it necessary to have a university degree. Why are we adopting the principles that have failed in America? We see what happens when you hire undereducated or uneducated police officers. You get the results that you get in America, and we're going to do that here. It's going to take about five, five to ten years for this to ripple through the police force, but you're going to see the results of hiring police officers that do not have uh, post-secondary education. It's, it's the weirdest, most dangerous thing we can do for police officers. We see what's going on south of us. Why are we trying to adopt the same principles that have failed in America? Jeff, thanks a lot for your call. Appreciate it. And yeah, I do. I think naturally it's going to make for a better police officer if you have some sort of higher education. That's the Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.